That's me, nigga. You are now rocking with the super califragilisticexpialidope shit. Your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, featuring on the verge artists, established influencers, and people from all walks of life doing dope shit. With your host Emiliano Style. You are now listening to the groove sounds of the best, best, best. Interviewer in downtown Los Angeles. The best, best. <laughs> <laughs> That's my imitation of those old school <laughs> radio. <laughs> That's big boy Smill. <laughs> 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 Yo, you Donnie Simpson's coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's Yeah, <laughs> 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 I can already tell this is going to be a good one. Uh, okay. Welcome, y'all, to... Super Califragilistic XVL Dope Shit. So I'm here with Matthew Moses. So, real quick, I'm just gonna read his bio so y'all get a little synopsis of what he's all about. Now, Matthew Moses is a strategic marketer and brand builder. His portfolio projects is a reflection of his passions and creative spirit. He serves as a brand manager and strategist at Shalimar Media Group, the company he formed in 2002. Much of his work is focused on brand management and brand licensing. Matthew's work has been featured in Vice, Complex Magazine, Billboard Magazine, MTV, Iggy, Urban Outfitters, and Creative Loafing Atlanta. Next, Matthew Moses, y'all. So, thank you for doing the podcast, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Glad, um, glad, glad to finally make it. Yeah, man, we in here. Thanks for the gift again. Oh yeah, a little juice. I, I, you know, I, you know, Matthew be on that player, <laughs> that player shit. Never comes empty-handed. Well, you gotta, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be a, a, a gracious guest. Gracious guest. Yeah, yeah. I like to start off my podcast by doing a rapid fire segment. I want to ask you to choose between two different random things and tell me which one you prefer, right. with no explanation. Okay. Are right, you ready? Yeah. Martin or Malcolm? Martin. Rihanna or Beyonce? Rihanna. Creation or evolution? Evolution. Android or Apple? Apple. Brutal honesty or white lies? Honesty. The Neptunes or Timberland? Neptunes. The Clippers or the Lakers? Lake Show. Career or family? Oh. <laughs> Career. <laughs> Marriage or long term commitment? Marriage. Pac or Biggie? Biggie. J. Cole or Kendrick? Kendrick. Steven Spielberg or George Lucas? Uh, uh, Spielberg. Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? Kimmel. Matinee show or night show? Matinee. Nike or Adidas? Uh, Nike. Japan or China? Uh, China. 
New Orleans or Chicago? New Orleans. Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels? <laughs> everyone laughs on this one, y'all. It never fails. Everyone laughs on this one, man. <laughs> Lee Daniels. Joker Joker Deuce Ace or Jack Queen King Ace? Uh, Jack King Queen Ace. HBO or Showtime? HBO. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad. Autumn or Summer? Summer. All right. Hands down. That's it. That's it. That's it. So that's the rapid fire um, segment. And right at this point is when I tell you about why I decided to do this podcast. It's mainly because I want people to listen to this podcast and feel like they caught up with an old friend, even though they may have never met you or never will meet you, Mm -hmm. but they can get insight to what you're all about. Um, And a lot of the podcasts that I listen to on, on personally is either it's like really well produced like listen to a TV show right. sonically only or it's like dealing with celebrities or some type of famous influencers but I'm like yo there's all type of people out here are doing really dope shit and I just want to highlight that whether or not they have 10 followers or 10,000 or 10 million, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So that's what this is about. We met for the first time <laughs> in in Atlanta, but it was uh I mean, I was living in Atlanta at the time. Right. And I I heard about you. Right. And it was like, you don't know Matthew? Short guy, uh, brown hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, nah. It's like you definitely haven't met him before growing up, and da 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 da. And I was like, oh okay, whatever. And I was like, yeah, y'all should definitely meet because he's into stuff like you. He does creative stuff. He's actually he's he lives in Tennessee or whatever. Whatever. He was going to Fist at the time, right, I right. believe. So and I think the fir- the very first thing we worked on was with uh, Javicia. Leslie. Yeah, I think so. And it was a photo shoot that I did in Centennial Park. That's right. And it was our other cousin with the locks, and she had a camera as Car, well. Yeah, Car C. Yeah, yeah. Legendary so, Car C. Yeah, so that was the first time we uh, met and collaborated. But you should clarify, mm-hmm. listeners, that, that we are cousins. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's my cousin. <laughs> so that's why, you know, it was, it was such so, so cool. Uh, you know, because people like even when I say people, I've heard, was hearing about you because it was family, right? Saying, "Hey," and, and likewise, I yeah. Because I, because I do remember, uh, I vaguely like remember like meeting you growing up, but not necessarily like meeting you, but like I do remember you vaguely growing up. Yeah, because we was around, was around, but you know, the first time we like connected, mm. I do remember that was like as when we were older. So because yeah, we probably like I used to actually film. At our family reunion so I probably like when we was right around that age when I started filming like 12 or whatever that I probably got some footage of us that's right or something like that go playing up. around I, I actually yeah you know, when I go to the archives when I go back home yeah that's a good one yeah but uh but that's that so since then we've collaborated on a few projects here and there and just became really cool friends too and it's like it was this one quote that just made me think of that uh, it was like you can't choose your you can't choose your relatives, but you can choose your family, or, I so, or I, something. I, I, I get it. I get what that is. I think I'm paraphrasing. I heard that at a wedding once, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty dope." But you can't choose your relatives, but you can choose your family. Right. So here we are now. 
a decade and a half later, probably. Something like that, yeah. We're uh, in the same city. Yes. For extended amount of time. On the same mission. Yeah. So, first question I want to ask you is, what's the dopest thing you've done to this point? All right. Is it so? Is it work or just like life? It's it's what I call an ink block question. Is you take however you want to answer it, you can answer it like that. All right. Well, I'll say the uh, the the dopest thing I've done. One of my most favorite things is uh, <clears throat> one of my my good my favorite clients is uh, is Leon Ware. And uh, when I first started working with Leon, Leon is like old school legendary singer songwriter producer and uh when i when i met him he was just starting uh, uh it was on the eve of his 50th anniversary uh in the music industry mm. but a little bit about leon Roy, like what are some of his prominent oh sure collaborations so so leon uh wrote and produced the, the entire i want you album uh from marvin gay he he uh he, he wrote and produced uh something something for maxwell uh, I want to be where you are for Michael Jackson, um, and, and so on and so on. So, right. I mean, Leon's like amazing guy. Right. And so um, when I first started working with him, I was telling him that like, there's this guy in New York, uh, Theophilus London, that had just did a mixtape called "I Want You." And so you know, Theophilus was like the young indie guy doing this thing, and I was explaining to him that you know this is somebody that that we should be collaborating with because. Uh, he's basically like it was like a younger version of of Leon, like stylistically, like the music was very progressive and you know it was just very cool stuff. So um, um, about you know immediately like reached out and tried to connect connect them and we did connect and they met, but uh, nothing came of it immediately. And then a couple of years later, Theophilus uh, started working on his uh, second album. He reached out and uh, got Leon and he together again. And Leon ended up um, uh, producing and, and writing like maybe five or six songs on, on the Vibes album and uh, was the executive producer of, uh, of the Vibes album for Theophilus. And so, you know, it was a great, it was a great album and like Leon's influence is felt throughout the project and it's, uh, but it's very much uh, a Theophilus project as well. So, I mean, I, I thought that was really cool because it was a way to connect the, the new and the old to make something you know, make something brand new and progressive. Yeah, that's dope. And that's, I, I remember when I first started meeting you and, and, and building with you, I always, always think of you like, as that I know a guy guy. <laughs> like, you were the guy that if someone was like, do you know any this, that, and the third, right. you'd be like, oh, Matthew, I know a guy, his name is Matthew. Right. So that's how I considered you as like, I know a guy guy, and you were like a connector. And, uh, you're always connecting. I was dating. Uh, I was dating a young lady. <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was dating a young lady, and I remember we uh, was all chilling at your crib, and she came over there, and you were asking her questions about what she did and what she's interested in or whatever, whatever, and she was standing up and then you was like nah you can go ahead and sit down and then she was like nah I'm gonna stay standing and she didn't realize that she was standing up until you was like I don't have a seat 
after after that date or whatever, like the next day, she was like, "Oh, it was cool hanging out with you, your cousin and his girl. He's a really cool guy." I was like, I, "But he was just like, I just felt he was kind of like interrogating me," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" She was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Cause when he asked me to sit down, I felt like I was standing up because I was defensive at that time, and I just don't know why." And I was like, "I was like," she's like, "So I was like, man, nah, it's just that's who he is. Like, it's not." He's interrogating you, just like he's always interested in what other people are doing in order to connect them to other people who may be able to meet or know, or it's just what he does. I was like, he's just like that type of connector type person. So it wasn't like he was grilling you as a family member, like Um, you date my cousin. It was like, no, I'm like, I'm interested in who you are, young lady, and what you're all about. So that's right. Yeah. I mean, and that's. For me, that's what it's about. It's like, I've always, you know, I've always been the type of person that, um, like, very inquisitive. And, but at the same time, I'm not, like, I'm outgoing, but I'm not necessarily willing to put myself out there, you know, all the time. And so, the way that that I've been able to get opportunities just from, like, friends or family, just people knowing what I'm interested in and knowing what I do. And then them connecting, connecting the dots for me, you know, you know, well, you should meet this person. Mm -hmm. So, I... I mean, I guess that's like an instinctive, instinctive thing. I just like connecting people and hoping that something good comes out of it. You know, I'm always like looking to help. Basically, it's just what it boils down to. And what's the dopest thing you've done this week? Oh, the dopest thing I've done this week. Besides this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's tough. This is a really dope. Uh, this is a dope podcast. Thanks. Uh, dope, dopest thing I, I, I've done this week. Is uh, I mean, I, I make these cool Letterman jackets for uh, for my for my homegirl. She's a she's a stylist, and uh, she has these 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 clients that want to make these these these, these dope Letterman jackets. So I made these cool Letterman jackets for her, and they like I got them like right before I came here. Oh, where are those the red ones? Is that the they, same uh, client? It's the same client, but it's a different one. Uh, okay. it, was, it was fly though because. It was I, I was able to kind of do some experimenting, some things I've been wanting to do, where where like I like change the buttons. And like just like a lot of different, it was it's uh, all um, African American flat colors, mm. but it's not overt. So it's like the, the jacket is uh, is black, but then the buttons are green, and then the stripes are the, the stripes on the the base are red. Mm. So it just looks like a dope jacket, but it's you know African American flag thing, very very fly. Oh, uh, that's nice. I got to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll show you a picture. Who is a person that you look up to who does dope shit? Do you have a mentor? I do have a mentor. Ironically, it's um, I would say that uh, it's uh, my man Leon's wife, Carol Ware, is a, a big influence. Has, has had a big impact on me. So she is a uh, she's a music publisher uh, uh, by trade. She's retired now, but she's um, she still work she she still work for um, for Universal Music, and then uh, but she started uh, Motown Productions. So. Uh, so Motown at the record company, but then they also had their publishing company, uh, Joe Beck, which owns the catalog for like, all the classic Motown records that, that we know and love. But then they had the production company. So her job was to take the songs from Joe Beck and connect those songs with other uh, with, with, with artists on other labels. And uh, and from there, like she grew to, uh, to to eventually become a publisher. And she did like a lot of a lot of really cool deals, signed a lot of really um, amazing people. Like one of the groups that she signed was um, was Heavy D. Like she helped Heavy D get his first uh, label deal, 
and um, you know she brought him in to to make the deal happen, and like she said, like the deal kind of stalled out, and you know she worked her mojo. She said over the weekend, like they were able to hash this deal out, and the next the next one day she came in, and the deal was done, and they had you know heavy got his label, got crazy advance, and he got a studio. You know, oh, and he was able to like go on and do all the amazing things he did. But then she also signed 25 years ago. The, the production duo that discovered Rihanna. Mm. So, like the idea of you know being able to work with with Leon as a as a client and you know learning a lot from him, but also being able to learn from his wife as a as a business person has been it's been really great. And then uh, I would say so that's that's like musically and then uh, creatively I would say uh, like with fashion my aunt my cousin uh, Janet. Uh, she passed away recently, but she's a really big influence on me. She's a fashion designer. She lived in New York. I don't know if you ever met her. You, you probably did meet her because she was there. You guys were there at the same time, right? Yeah, but I remember used to come. I didn't know she passed on. Yeah. But uh, I know you used to come to New York and used to stay with her. Used to stay with her. Yeah. Yeah. So and she was an amazing lady. Like Man. she went to Parsons and like very fly. You know, she's a, a technical designer. Okay. And she started out uh, when she was a kid making patterns out of uh, newspapers and mm. then that you know that evolved into her actually like becoming a designer and um you know she worked for spiegel and then worked for limited brands and then she launched a tommy tommy girl uh for tommy hilfiger then went over to polo jeans and did her thing and i mean she's an amazing lady and so when i would early on when i would go to new york and visit her she would take us uh take my mom and i on uh on tours of the tommy office and one of the uh because they had been, they moved a couple of times like during these uh during these visits so we would go and see her and like go get her for lunch and then she would give us a tour of the new office okay and, uh, and so on one of the trips we were uh we were going through all the different departments and we like come down the flight of stairs to go to like another another department and they had a, a tommy hilfiger surfboard and so hmm. i asked her to say what's up with that like you guys are making surfboards now and she says, um, "Well, no, that's uh, someone just licensed that, and they just put it on a uh, put it on a surfboard, and they're probably selling it somewhere." And that was super intriguing to me. The idea that you know Tommy had this this brand that was you know this iconic American brand based around denim and you know and, and basics, and someone else wanted to use it, use his, his logo and his branding and put it on the surfboard. So something that's that's like related to Americana, but he he's not even making it. But somebody else is gonna like take it, and he's gonna get paid on it. That was just very intriguing to me, and the, and the idea stuck with me, and, and so eventually it led to, you know, developed into what I'm doing now, which is brand management and, and licensing. So like the idea came from that moment. Oh, now so can you give us a a brief synopsis of of each one of your arms real quick? You got you know you got Shalomar Media Group, which is basically what. It's, it's it's a holding company basically. Okay. And um and so uh, with Shalimar I do uh, brand management and brand licensing, and so my current roster is uh is, is Leon Weir, uh and EPMD, and then um and I have Apparel by SMG, which is I do uh we do design apparel design and production, and we do a lot of corporate stuff. So the clients are. Google, Uber, and eBay are the big clients. They have other clients, like smaller accounts, but those are the big accounts. And then in the last couple of years, I've been, I've always had an interest in working with uh, independent artists. 
And so uh, in the last couple of years, I've started to develop that a little bit more. And um, and so I have a division for that, which is uh, Rare Dope International. And so like, that's it. That's everything. So, of course, I do Mansfield, but that's like a passion project. But in terms of the day to day, it's those. Don't gloss over Mansfield. Mansfield Outpost is what? Your passion project, but what it's does a, that entail? It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle brand. So it's, it's resort wear for players, basically. Got it. And so the the idea is that uh, you know there, there there's never been a uh, a resort wear collection uh, designed specifically with men of color in mind. And for the most part, when when we go on vacation, we have to pull pieces from lots of different collections. Like you might get your swim trunks from, you know, from Ralph. You might get your, your t-shirts from Nike or whoever. And then, you know, you get all these things from other people. And so it's not like the things that you're getting are are really designed with you in mind. Like not to say that they're, they're, they're creating products to like, to, to not serve you, but it's just not designed with you in mind. You know, right? And so I wanted. It's to, like it's like oh yeah, y'all can wear it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and people always talk about like Ralph is is, is this big aspirational line, which is, you know, which is the, the the complete concept of of the brand. I mean, even when even when Ralph launched the company, his whole thing was he he, he launched it because he didn't see suits that on, on the shelf that he didn't see the same suits on the shelf. That, uh, that that Cary Grant wore, you know, in the in the golden age of Hollywood. So even mm. for him, it was aspirational. Yeah. So, but but my thing is that, you know, black men, we come from you know all different walks of life. So you can't just give us something that's going to be completely generic. You know, we also have uh, a way that we we also have a lens that we look at the world through and a lot of us do look at it through a hip hop lens even if you're not like a, a hip hop guy you know if you're even if you were square you still grew up seeing puffy dance on couches and splash champagne yeah. so your perspective on that is still has a you know it still colors your perspective of the world so, so I wanted to create a resort where collection that had that sort of flavor to it without it being overtly urban for the sake of being urban it's just like cool resort wear for yeah. brothers <laughs> there it is yeah I want to segue to some of your background. Where were you born? Where you grew up? Do you have any siblings? Okay. I'm getting into that. So where were you born? I was born in Atlanta. You knew that Grady? Yeah, I, oh, Southwest, Southwest. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, South Fulton, South Fulton Hospital. Okay, okay. Yeah. And um, you also grew up in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I grew up in Atlanta. Um, I lived in Delaware for a couple of years too, but like for the most part, I grew up in Atlanta. And um, went to Hampton University. And uh, what well, high school you went to? The Maze High. What's up, Raiders? Was good. And <laughs> you played an instrument, right? In the marching band, for sure. Yeah. And for those that know, you was playing the piccolo, right? I was not playing piccolo. <laughs> 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 I was I was playing the uh, the baritone horn. Yeah. Right. So I was right in the front, right behind the. Uh, yeah, the major X. So you know how to read music and all that? Absolutely. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. So, went to the maze, you was a band nerd. Well, then you went if to. You, if you're from the South, if you're from the South, I always have to qualify this for people that people try to play you out if you were in the band. And if, if you're from the South, particularly from Atlanta, everybody knows that, like, the band cats were like you were, it was that was a cool club right 
So, because I remember the first time that I was actually allowed to, like, hang out in Atlanta when I was old enough, like, an early teenager, maybe adolescent or something. Right. And it was like, y'all want to go to the Battle of the Bands? Right. It's a thing. And I was like, the Battle of the Bands? And up to that point, like, I mean, I've seen some bands. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Right. You know what I mean? But I wasn't like, oh, yeah, uh, uh. So we went, and I remember we went, and what stood out to me was, first of all, we was in the South, and they said prayer before... Before the game? Yeah, before the Battle of the Bands. And then I remember, and this is early 90s, so they was like, get crunk, get crunk, get crunk, get crunk, get crunk. And they were all saying crunk, or crunk was like a verb and a noun. And it was like, I was like, what is this talk? And then I would go back home and be like, yo, he's saying crunk in the South. And they say this, that, and they were like, man, what the fuck? That was <laughs> so, anyways, um, that's cool because like a lot of people don't know, like even like me, like going to HBCUs. Right. A lot of people leave after halftime. That's right. That's right. Because they come to see the band. Yeah. So it's a totally different culture of bands than you would see in other, you know, PWIs and stuff. Yeah. Like I mean, that. Any, any anywhere else in the world. I mean, I mean, I mean really? I, yeah, really. Yeah, it is. Because I, mean, I went to school. It's not never considered cool. Yeah. I, I mean, unless it's a black. Unless school. A, yeah, unless it's a black school, and, and then we were doing. I mean, it was marching band too, so it was you know, it was a lot of hard work. Like it's not like you're doing uh, I forget what the other concert band. Or well, whatever. I was in concert band too, but there's another uh, but like there's another form of uh, of marching band. I forget what is what the technique is, but they basically walk. Like literally, they walk. They just walk. Oh, okay. You know, so this is like marching band, and the South was like choreography. Yeah, it's choreography. It's it's very physical. I mean, you're playing the songs that are on the radio. You know, it's it's dope. Yeah. And then, so Hampton. Then where did you go after Hampton? After Hampton, I did a semester at Fisk. No, I mean like where, like, okay, you did fit. You went from Virginia to Tennessee, and then you went back to Atlanta. To Atlanta, yeah. Okay, and then uh, I guess it would be interesting to know about your college experience as an entrepreneur. Okay, because. I know you were doing things on a collegiate level mm-hmm. and uh, even afterwards that was geared towards college. Right. Like, because then you do like one of Kendrick's. Yeah. So, so, so this is Kendrick so, Lamar's concerts. Right. So this is how, this is how it all started. So when, when I was in high school, um, it was junior, well, I was junior year of high school, I guess maybe sophomore year of high school. I was, uh, I was in the school paper. So I was interested in like creating content and, and journalism, and so I was in the school paper sophomore year, and then junior year, um, and I was just a writer. But then junior year, they made I was like an editor of the sports section, and so I could put in my own content. And so my idea was to come up with this comic strip, and I created this character uh, that was like he was supposed to be kind of like a like a like. This kid wanted uh, the character wanted to be a sports agent, but since he was in high school, he couldn't really be a sports agent. So he was just kind of like an advisor to the to like the basketball players or like to the football players, and just giving them game. You know, like yo, man, you should like handle it like this or whatever. Yeah. So it was like it was kind of cool. It was fun. People liked it. The strip was called the Yard, 
And so um, senior year came around and it was May and we still didn't have senior class t-shirts. So the uh, the school asked asked me to uh, to, to design the the the, the, uh, the t-shirts and uh, and I just put my character in there from the um, from the comic strip. So so who who illustrated the comics? Oh, so I had my, my man Kwame uh, Kwame Thomas, who's amazing. He's an amazing cartoonist. He actually, Got it. He okay. Does um he actually does like creative for uh, for TBS now. I mean, he's gone on to do do amazing work. So so I was a writer. I came up with the concept. I wrote it, and then Kwame would illustrate it. Got it. And so uh, so we did the comic strip, and then we we, we put it on the uh, on, on on the, the t shirts, sold them, made it's bread like real quick for me and my man. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college. They had a radio station in Hampton, and so I pitched the idea of doing a, a radio show, uh, a talk show, and I called that the art as well. So that was my fr- that was my first time creating a media property, and then extending the brand by doing a uh, by doing a t shirt, which is merch, selling it, mm-hmm. and then ex- and then creating another brand extension by doing a radio show, uh, and then the radio show was really really popular because we started out at, at Hampton. And then we franchised it to uh, the uh, to Clark Atlanta University, mm-hmm. and then we franchised it again to the University of Cape Town in South Africa, and this all started from like a comic strip, right? In in high school, dope. And so, so that entire experience is what sort of sent me down the path that I'm on now, which is which is just brand management and brand licensing, develop you know brand development, creating media property. Um, and figuring out ways to monetize a media property. You know, if other people have media property or like clients, figuring out like, ways to to do the same thing. But it all stems from the idea of like when I saw that surfboard at Tommy Hilfiger, right. and when I saw the radio show, and it's, it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah, because it's always interesting. Because a lot of times people say like, "How did you get into?" It's not always streamlined or easy is like nah this is something that I've been cultivating for years and yeah. years and years and got to the point of now where my business acumen or my skill set are at the point where you're like how did you get into this right and right. yeah so that's really cool alright so you did the yard and then you did college stock right so so college stock happened because the idea of the yard was that it was, uh, it was pop culture for college students and so this was you know 2000 2004, uh, again, 2003, 2004. And um, we had we had an hour-long hour segment on the show, and my idea was to uh, to talk about whatever was happening in the world, but then sort of, so, so we, we had sort of like a newsy sort of an angle to it. So, so we have like whatever the topic was, what, you know, it might be, you know, whatever is happening in the news, but then we would soften the blow with having like a cool musician on or a, a child actor. We had Tatiana Ali on the show one time. We had, mm. you know, Janelle Monet when she was still performing at Clark. Yeah, like doing her of, college tour. Her college was a, tour. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of, like you had Kateem Hardison, but then we had uh, like the original Anziv, which is uh, Janet Janet Huber. Right. Uh, so a lot, like a lot of, like a lot of really, really cool people on the show. Um, and so that gave me the idea of creating a, like an experience where people could come to, uh, where, where people could, could come and experience like a lot of these new artists that we, that we were finding. Like I had the, had the cool kids on the show, Kid Cudi before he became Kid Cudi. So I wanted to sort of showcase these artists. And um, and so from that uh, is, 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 is how the idea of College Stock was, uh, was born. 
So, um, so what? So yeah, he was like Kid Cudi. Well, that, so that's the same with Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, so, Kid Cudi. So so what? So so it took it took a while to get it off the ground. So me and me and my boy JP was like trying to figure out how we gonna do this this college stock thing, and so we went down the road of trying to get sponsors and trying to get investors that whole nine. And um, eventually, what happened was I had um um eventually what happened is I started doing doing concerts with uh with some other friends. And uh, and then after that, I just started packaging shows, and um, and so I would like get the artist package them and then sell it to the school. So like the budget would be, you know, the talent budget might be five thousand dollars, and then I would go and tell the school like I can bring these three artists to your school, and it's only gonna cost you fifteen thousand, you know. So it's like I'm gonna keep you ten, pay the, you know. Yeah. So uh, and so that eventually led to. Uh, doing the first uh, one of Kendrick's first ever uh, shows in Atlanta. We did Drake's first ever show in Atlanta. Um, uh, we did the Goody Mob reunion, all like all through the same run. No, you know, we no. did Devin the Dude. We did Big Sean before he was like huge currency. We had a really really cool run, so it was awesome. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. So, would you say that Tommy Hilfiger surfboard moment that was your tipping point that made you realize? You wanted to get into everything, but you kind of said that already, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say that it was, it, I wouldn't say that it was a thing that made me, the, the radio show was the, the tipping point, but the, the Tommy Hilfiger it was like the, it, the spark. The spark. Yeah. So when you're working with brand licensing and brand management and all these things, what about it do you love about it? What does it make you, what does it fulfill? I like the idea of, I mean, it, it goes back to your, your point about like connecting and 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 helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the idea of helping creatives, giving giving creatives a platform to extend their uh, their creative abilities. It's like always always first and foremost for me. But secondly, I like the idea of extending the life of of someone's of someone's career and, and being able to take it into a into a different a different direction. Um, and and I mean the same thing applies for for just general intellectual property. So even if it's not a, a person, you know, even if it's crowns and styles, for instance, it's like mm-hmm. taking it from like this is a great idea that that works on Instagram and works on YouTube. But imagine how many more people it would impact if we were to just take it to a larger a larger platform. It's not you know some, sometimes it's not about a check. You know sometimes it's really just about like making sure that we can create something that's gonna truly impact people so that's the thing that i really like about it mm-hmm. um you know i did i do tend to work with, with legacy artists mm-hmm. and um but i'm not you know I, I do tend to work with with legacy artists and the reason i do that is because a lot of times these people um you know to the public it seems like they've gone dormant but you know, true creatives never stop creating. They always, they're, they're always working. Mm. And, and so for some, sometimes, you know, for, for them, they, they might not feel like people have forgotten about them, but it's, it's like, they still want to share their, the, the things that they're doing. And, but, but the world may, may, may have moved on, but it doesn't mean that they're any less, uh, that they're any less dope. Right. So I like the idea of, creating a, uh, a new life 
through, through products and experiences that doesn't uh, that doesn't dilute what they've already done, but it but it enhances what they've already done, mm. and, and now it gives the public another uh, an opportunity to, to 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 enjoy this next phase of their of, of this person's career. Okay. Yeah. Of course, it makes money for the for the client. I mean, that's important too. Right. Right. But yeah. yeah. So, what are some of the legacy artists that you work with or have worked with? Well, uh, Leon Ware, of course. Right. Um, uh, worked with the Estate of Pimp C for for four years, and um, and right now I have uh, EPMD. Right. Right. I'm truly excited. I'm really excited about that. It's a yeah. Lot of fun. Yeah, that's really dope. Yeah. Now, what would you say would be a typical way to get started in your profession? Like, if somebody was trying to go down the licensing path brand management path doing what you do what's the first thing that they should do the first thing I, I would say is um, learn how to write a marketing plan and learn how to tell a story because that's that's what branding is it's, it's, it's storytelling and brand licensing is creating the tangible touch points in those stories so a good example of that would be um, you know, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player in the world. You know, he went to University of North Carolina, got drafted by the Bulls. You know, won all these, all these rings. Six rings. Six rings. You know, what ten-time All-Star or something like that. Yeah. And then, and, and then he retired. So, like, the, the only way that you're going to be able to experience that is you're going to you're going to be able to watch the game. But what if you want to really feel it? You can go buy the sneaker. So I want to be the guy that creates the thing that you can go and touch and, and experience. But it has to be able to fit in the, within, within the story, you know? Yeah. Mike can't play ball good if he doesn't have the, the sneakers, you know? And when, he's, when he comes off of the court, he needs to look fly in those sneakers. So we got to create a clothing line as well, you know? So I want to be the, the person that helps the creatives develop those physical things, those touch points that the consumer can say, you know, this is... This is a souvenir that I can take along with me. I want to own a part of the experience. I want to own a part of the experience. I want to own a part of the story. So if you want to get started in in brand management, brand licensing, learn how to tell a story, how to understand the story, start middle end, learn how to write a marketing plan and work that story into the marketing plan. What are some common misconceptions about doing what you do? Uh, That it's all about landing sponsorships and getting free money. Like that's like not. Mm. It's a very. I mean, it's a big part of it, but it's not everything. That's not truly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not a part of it. Yeah, I would say that's the biggest misconception. What about pet peeves? Uh, pet peeves about uh, about branding or just in general? Well, in your field or in general? Uh, in general, I hate millennial speak, like millennial lingo. Oh, like what? Uh, like the, 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 I'm old. I don't know. Like, the phrase, like how people, um, like if you, if you say something, then that's almost saying I like to piggyback on that, you know, or 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 or, or you know, you know, you know, uh, say that like in meetings, I like to piggyback on that. Yeah, but that's not millennial. Or or, or this, there's another one I really hate when people say, uh, uh, "What does that look like?" Mm. You know, so yeah, we're about to go. We're gonna go. Uh, we're thinking of going lunch. Going to lunch around two o'clock. What does that look like? 
doesn't like anything. We're, we're going to lunch. It doesn't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, you riddle me this? Yeah, riddle me this, what? riddle me that. Or, 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 or like millennial vocal inflections. And then we went skiing. And then we had the hot chocolate. And then we had the, the water. And then we had the, like that. You're not fucking with millennials yeah, at all. That's what, like, that stuff is so annoying. It, yeah. It's like, it's like OD professional for the sake of being professional. Yeah. You know, I'm not with that. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, mm-hmm. and I get it because, especially being here in LA, it's hard because people come here to um, to live out their dreams, or they come here to execute something very specific, and you don't know who you're going to run into that's going to be able to help you do that. So, so, so there's this sense of always being on. Yeah, and, and so I, I completely get it. And people, you know, and that's like the whole the whole thing that people say, uh, uh, LA is so fake. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never I never felt like that mm-hmm. because I I just understand I just understand that people are just trying to get it yeah know? but sometimes it's uh, super annoying yeah 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 I feel that and when you say people are always on <laughs> I would tell the the house party story which what, 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 which one when the guy what's the Saucy, the saucy delivery service guy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for the birthday. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my man was ready. Yeah, like you say, you always on. I was at Mux. I was at Matthew's uh, house party last. It was last summer for my birthday. Yeah, yeah last Special. summer. Yeah. And I was chopping it up with with Matt, and I, he was like, "Yo, I got this liquor on the way. Come walk with me to the door." I was like, "Yeah, yeah," you know what I'm saying. So I'm talking to him, whatever. And I don't know. I mean, I was I was gone by this point. I mean, I was Everybody I was, was faded. Like I was faded. So for some reason, the dude came to the door, and I was like, "Yo, what's up, man?" And then he was like, "Yo, what's good? Uh, I'm your saucy delivery." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, yo." And I'm not even hearing what he's saying. Like, I just think he's like a regular guest. And I'm like, yo, man, why don't you spit something? <laughs> and I'm trying to tell you that he's a delivery guy. He's right. Not, he's not a guest. You just seen the black dude with bottles. Yeah, yeah. I saw a black dude with a bottle. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yo, why don't you spit something? I was like, you go first, I'll go next. He was like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a guest. But I'm not hearing this. I don't know why I wasn't hearing it. <laughs> so then I was like, yo. I'm not gonna let you in the house until you freestyle. And he was like, "Yo, I'm not a guest. Like, I'm not coming into the house." I was like, "Well, I'm not taking your bottle until you freestyle." And then he was like, "All right." So I started beatboxing, and this dude like really spit a serious sixteen. Yeah, like a serious sixteen. Yeah. So in LA, you never know. Like he say, people be on and ready. Who knows who we were? Yeah. We could have been some music execs. Yeah. Like, why is this dude asking me to rap? Is he trying to sign me? Does he have connections? You never know. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. And I, res- I respect it. Yeah. So, millennials speak. You don't like that? I don't, I don't like that. That's, that's what, my number one. And what about in your field? I, you have, because I feel like with business, like you're such a diplomat. That you just move with the punches because excessive meetings. I hate excessive meetings. Excessive meetings, yeah, yeah me too. I hate excessive meetings. I hate because um, Matthew is the person that I call to get advice on diplomatic d- diplomacy. I get diplomacy. I get diplomacy advice from Matthew because I be fitting to turn up on folks <laughs> and. He was like, and I was like, man, they did this and that. Am I tripping to, to say this, this, that, and the third? 
He's like, nah, what you should do, uh, you got to hit them with that razzle dazzle. You just got to, <laughs> you know, just say what they say after this, and you got to do what you got to do, because in the end, it's about your time, and it's about your, you know, he was able to talk me off the ledge, so, so excessive meetings. Excessive meetings. Yeah. Uh, you trying to be diplomatic right now. <laughs> you might do an email exchange with, with a group of people, and the email might be, a, you know, a hundred, uh, a hundred emails, and then they come back three months later and they respond to you on that same thread about something completely different. Yeah, it's like fam, make a new subject heading. Yeah, because like now I got to go through this old email to to, to respond to what you saying three months ago. I don't know. That's just competitive. Yeah, I feel it's it's not efficient, it's, and you juggling di- juggling different projects. You like, come on now. Yeah, yeah. It's like I gotta go through and look for this because you. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Thing. That's the thing. Now, I feel a lot of times we see successes. And we usually share our good times. We curate our Instagrams, but I wanted to get some insight from you about some of your failure or or how do people fail in your profession and common mistakes and how to avoid those definitely um and that's that's a good question um so two examples um one was in high school my buddy uh jp and i were, were throwing parties you know i don't know of any entrepreneur that came out of atlanta who who didn't either do music or, or throw parties so mm-hmm. We you threw both. parties, y'all yeah, did both, yeah. But I, I mean, we, we threw parties, we did music, whatever. Yeah, playing the piccolo. Yeah, yeah, just whatever. <laughs> you know, flute, clarinet, you know, <laughs> yeah, playing the bells. But uh, so we did this. So we we did these series of parties, and the first two parties went really went really well. Okay. The first one was super successful. The second one was, was like really, you know, was, was was really successful. And the third one, we uh, we were the first. The third one was a, a complete failure, and here's why. Uh, I had this philosophy back then that if you're going to do a uh, do a party, you should promote it all week, you know, promote it Monday through Friday, and then do the party on a Friday night because people have been seeing the flyers all week. You know, they've been hearing you talk about it all week. Yeah. So you know, they're gonna go home, they're gonna get fresh, and they're gonna come to the party. So I planned it. We planned this this third event, and um, and and when we started talking about the party on Monday, everyone was saying, "No, you should do it on a uh, do it on Saturday because." Uh, because somebody was coming into town for like for a concert, and everybody's mm-hmm. gonna be there, so no one's gonna come to your party. You should do it on on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, dang, okay, maybe that's that's the case. So we moved the party to Saturday, and like three people showed up. And what that taught me was to uh, to listen to my, my gut because these were high school kids; like they weren't gonna be able to get into the to the club anyway, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 they were like on their thing, thinking they was gonna be able to get into the club. But if I had just done the party on Friday night, they wouldn't have not been able to get into the club and they would have came to my party. Oh, uh, yeah. So I did it on a Saturday and people had already forgotten about the party. Right? So I lost. Mm. So that taught me to, to listen to my gut. He said three people. Yeah, it was bad. <sighs> we were like, took a loss, you know? Yeah. But again, you know, listen to your, listen to your instincts. You got a plan. Stick to the plan. Let the play develop. That's what that taught me. The second... The second one was um, was, uh, was was Pimp C. I had a, uh, working with the estate of Pimp C. I had 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 a, a few things come up. And what's great about what was great about working with that project was I set out to 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 do a couple of like very very key things for the estate, and I was able to accomplish everything I set out to do. 
Um, but within that process, I realized that uh, there were some, the, the, the state wanted to take a direction with the project that I felt would have done more to harm uh, his legacy than to, uh, than, to, than to celebrate it. Yeah. And I wanted to, I stepped in and like in, in, intervene on behalf of the client you know, in, in, in an effort to, to, to protect the client from themselves. And and that did not that did not go well. And what and what that taught me was if when, when you're working with when you're dealing with people and, and managing you're managing their assets, it's even though you have the best intentions, if if they wanna drive it into the ground, if they wanna do you know, if they wanna drive it into the ground or if they wanna take it to the mountaintop, it's on them to do that, it's, it's their responsibility, it's, it's, it's theirs to do that with. My job is to just, you know, be a, an objective voice, provide a strategy, and, you know, if, and, and, and if they take that advice, then then great. But if they don't, it's, you know, it's on them. It's theirs to do what they want right. with it, you know, so it, it taught me restraint. So, mm. you know, following your gut is important, but restraint is also very, very important. Oh, some dope gems right there, bro. Do you have a a mission statement? Or? Um, the closest thing I have to a, to a mission statement is is I represent the hybrids. You know, I like to I like the in between. I always represent them in between because I'm a hybrid. I'm in in between. You know, I'm not completely from the the suburbs, but I'm not com- completely from the inner inner city. You know, I'm into to to music. I'm also into Fashion, but I'm also in a, in a very interested in intellectual property. They're both the same thing, but you know, it can be executed in, in, in a different way. And all the people that I've worked with have also been hybrids. My man Nesby Phipps in, in, in New Orleans, you know, he's Bo Jackson. He's a he's a rapper. He's a he's a producer. He's a, he's a painter. Leon is a singer songwriter producer. Mm-hmm. You know, EPMD. Paris is the businessman. Eric is the the MC and the dope the dope producer. Pimp, dope producer, dope MC, dope gospel singer. You know, so there has to be someone that represents the in betweens, and the in betweens have to the hybrids. Oftentimes, have the most impact. So you have to have there has to be someone there that's like a, a conduit to help bring them to the to the forefront, and uh, that's that's my mission is to to be the person that helps the hybrids, helps the in-betweens come to the forefront. What are some of your sources of motivation and inspiration? I like reading biographies. What's the latest one you've read? Right now I'm reading um, uh, J. Paul Getty, uh, How to Be Rich. It's, okay. It's cool. It's uh, it's like articles that he wrote for uh, for Playboy magazine, and it's uh, it's really cool. Isn't that, is that this book that the movie was based off of? I don't know. All I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if it's based on it, but I'm sure it probably it probably is. All okay. the money in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm reading that right now. We have come to the uh, portion of the show where I do a game. It's okay. called Name That Tune. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. So I'm just gonna play a track, and I want to see if you can guess the artist and the title of the song. Cool. I'm gonna play you a few tracks. You ready? Alright, hold up. You got a playlist or you just going straight off the dome? No, I have I, I chose some tracks for you. You trying to stomp me? 
it was, you know, when this first started, I was stumping people because I was just playing one. Okay. But now I, I play, I'm going to play at least three. All right, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. The guy, uh, David Ashley, he got all three correct. He didn't get all the titles, but he, he did the best ever. Okay. So, let's see how you did. Sorry, I, title and artist or what? Yeah, title and artist. Okay. But... If you say one or the other, you give it to me. Yeah, you, you can. Alright, I can live. Yeah, yeah, you can live. Alright. Right, because I was at the 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 listening party. Yeah, at the Ace. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was uh, like last summer or two summers ago, something like that. Yeah, Rob, man. Is, Rob is amazing. Yeah, Rob is flicky, super, super talented guy. Rob Roy. Yeah, Rob Roy Ready for ready for the next one. Let's go. All right. It's my, it's my, it's my groove right here. It's my style. It's like the music that plays in my head when I walk. I think you guessed the singer. And every step I take recalls how much in love we used to be. Oh, how can I forget you when there is always something that to remind me? I don't know if it's I know this song. Yeah. It's not Earth the Kid. Nah, not Earth the Kid. But that was a great guess. Yeah, is it Sarah Vaughn? Nah, not Sarah Vaughn either. Rubber Vogue's too good. What year? What it's year? in the same. It's in the same vein though. Of singers who was killing it around this time. This is this is like sixties. Yeah. Early sixties. Yeah. Damn, who is this? If you tell me, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> I know, I probably know the answer. Dion Warwick. Oh, I would not have guessed that. For real? No, I wouldn't have guessed that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was like all around that time. That's why. What year? What year is it? What year exactly? Uh, I don't know the exact year, bro. What are you, what are you, what are you playing it on? I'm playing it on title. Now from her greatest hits. Oh no, no, yeah, I don't know. Dang, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess that. That's a good one. Okay, because you was like Sarah Vaughn. I was like, yo, was like you around there, you around there, you're in this right vicinity. Okay. All right. About this right here. Yo, rock, really not. Yo. <laughs> Child JD. <laughs> JD and Keith Sweat, though. Yo, you get a buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> 
This song is so hard though. It like, is. Like, be jamming it back out. Shout out to Mike Randy. Mike Randy keeps sweat. <laughs> and I just love when the when the kick come in. Yeah, it's like yeah. champagne flow. Yeah. This is like vacation right now. Yeah. I got too much sand for all the sand in the kitchen, yo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So you so you uh you two for one. Yeah, that's cool. You two for one, my G. That was good. It's good. It's good. All right. Kick it off with that JD. <laughs> yeah, man. Shout so so deaf. Yeah, so so deaf. Now, I really love music, so um, I just feel like you could tell a lot about someone by what they listen to, okay. and you could kind of relate to to them. It's like you may come from different places, but they, oh, this song! I remember the first time I heard this song, and this is just such a great unifying tool. Music. Yeah. What what music are you listening to right now? That's the worst question for me. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, because I listen to I listen to a whole lot of music. I'm really, I'm really feeling it. Go ahead, what were you going to say? I was going to say, you listen to Chopped and Screwed music in your I whip. Do. I was just to Chopped and Screwed, uh, Chopped and Screwed Reasonable Doubt on the way over here. Okay. Uh, but because, I, because I'm working with all these indie artists right now, uh, you know, I have a roster of clients that I'm, you know, we're doing things. I've, I've been listening to a lot of their stuff to, you know, to move on to the next to the next phase. So I've been listening to a lot of DeCarlo Tatum Jr. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Mike Randy. And uh, you know, Nesby Phipps for sure, and, and Adam Pavale. So I've been I've been listening to all of their stuff. Like that's what's playing right now. Uh, I like all the new Drake stuff. Mm. Like truly, like the new Drake records. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then um, I'm a big jazz fan. Love jazz. So I listen to Pharrell Sanders Harvest Time every day. Oh yeah. Yeah, every day, and then. Um, and right now, I'm really feeling uh, Charles Mingus. Like I really like Charles Mingus too. You're talking about some masters right there. Yeah. So that's so that's like my world. Okay. Right now. And it uh, changes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it always changes. Yeah. I just what's like currently in your rotation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And currency, currency, my favorite, my favorite rapper. Okay. Currency and B, my two favorite rappers. Really? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What's the last movie you saw in the theater? Oh, uh, I saw uh, the Post. Oh yeah, you like? How was it? It was dope. You like? Yeah, it was really good. You got those heavy hitters, like you can't really, can't really let you down. Oh yeah, uh, Tom uh, Hanks, yeah, Meryl. Yeah, Meryl Streep, Goldberg, and that's like, it was good, very well done. What about TV show? Which TV show has your attention right now? Um. Oh, I like Coach Snoop on Netflix. It's a net like he has a Netflix series. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's about his um. About his, um, his football about team, his football league, yeah. Yeah. So I really like it. It's good. I'm completely invested in the characters. Really? Yeah. And I and I'm not a TV guy like that. You know, I'm documentaries. You know. I thought your favorite show was Family uh, Ties or whatever. Family Ties. I don't even get that joke. Nah, what it was a uh... Fresh Out the Boat. Nah. I like Fresh Out the Boat. I like I like Blackish. Full House. You was watching Full House. Nah, that's my girl. Full House. <laughs> My girl, my, girl, my girl likes the full full house. That's it. I don't get the joke, fam. I don't get the joke. Man. Nah, nah. <laughs> I don't watch that. Nah. My girl watches that. Yeah. I, I watch it with her, but it's not my show. Can you share a really memorable article, book, or YouTube clip that you discovered recently and would like to share? Mm. So, 
article, book, or YouTube clip? Article, book, or YouTube clip? Um, I would say my impression was that Quincy Jones. Oh, that Quincy Jones article was fired. I was like, whoa. Quincy Jones article was fired. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> what you call it? Uh, I had posted that meme what? of Monique. I'm asking everybody the boycott Quincy Jones. You're right. <laughs> Pause. Uh, <laughs> uh, a YouTube clip. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna send you this link. But it's this. Uh, it's a short film by this cat uh, named Reggie uh, Reggie No, and then and and then this guy named Chris. Uh, I forget this guy Chris's last name, but Chris owns the store Union. Okay. Um, Fairfax. Yeah, I've been there. And they did this this crazy short film a couple years ago, and it's this dope like art fashion piece. And uh, I send you a link so you can put it up. Okay. But it's it's dope. Like I came across that. My my man put me on that. My man Moon put me on it, and I've been watching that a lot. Like it's cool. It's like a part one and part two. I send you both of those. It's tight. Okay, dope. Yeah. And then you said you're currently reading the Getty book. Uh-huh, really and then you know okay so we covered the basis on that one mm-hmm. what's a little known fact about you that you think people would be surprised to know about I didn't graduate from college I don't know if that's even, like the thing just bounced on because out, out of here out. make this guap yeah what's some advice that you would like to give others or what's some advice that you wish let me scratch that what is the advice that you would give to your younger self, to your 18-year-old self? Bro, uh, take your time and just think it out. Think it, think it through. Because a lot of the stuff, that, a lot of the things I'm doing right now are ideas that I had when I was 18. And it's just that I had so many I was trying to I, I was trying to do them all at the same time and you know some people can do that um, and there's nothing wrong with with taking you know with, with, with slowing down choosing one or two things to focus on and and really thinking them through and letting the play develop and that's 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 advice that I would give to uh, you know to any any young entrepreneur is Allow time for the play to develop, because sometimes you'll execute, you'll 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 do it, you'll create an action, you'll do an execution, and it doesn't necessarily get the result that you want right away, and so you immediately create another action, and eventually you do that, and and, and it doesn't the the idea doesn't doesn't mature, and then and then you. You, you move on to something else because the, because the idea didn't mature, but the reason it didn't mature was because you didn't let the first thing develop. Like you didn't think it all the way through. Mm-hmm. You might have like, and that happens with me a lot. It's like I'll see the uh, I have an idea, and I can immediately see what the end result will be. But I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not necessarily saying like I'm working just to get to the end, but I'm so excited about what I know the end is going to be that I'm just executing all the steps but I'm just executing the steps to get to the end as opposed to you have to do a good job at every step of the way to get to the end as opposed to just doing the task yeah you know so you have to allow time for the play to develop that is the 
main advice I would give myself at 18. Yeah, some good advice. And then just even by you mentioning that made me think of this experience I had. I was working on this TV show and we just like doing like a sizzle reel kind of pilot type of thing. But it wasn't a lot of a budget and it wasn't a lot of time or resources or any of that. So I really needed to take my time to make it happen. Right. And the people who I was involved with, they were like, yo, where's the cut? You said it would take this long. And then, mind you, I'm like not getting paid. And it's just like all this, these issues. They're like, and they didn't have the production experience that I had sure. or the TV experience that I had and stuff that I know. So they compromised the idea and put what was done so far online and then it caught wind of like media takeout and boss up and all these type of sites like that and then they was trying to charge people to see uh, raw footage of the show and I was like whoa this is a mess and it was actually a good idea but they they just wanted it to be on TV so bad so quick that they didn't even want to go the correct means. It's like you just told everyone an idea, right. a rough idea that wasn't even done yet, and then it was just like totally spoiled. Yeah, so that's definitely excellent advice, and definitely some advice that uh, I wish they would have took before I did that. Uh, what societal norm? do you think is stupid or weird or wish was not the norm? A societal norm right now that I really don't, that I really don't, I just don't, I truly just don't understand it is uh, how people just like, just blatantly lie or just fabricate things to, to create a, a, a perception. Uh, you know, as a, as a marketer, I obviously understand the idea of creating a perception and, you know, putting a patina on things to sell it. But that's completely different than just saying that you did something and you just did not do it, mm. you know, and that's very accepted right now. And and that's like become a part of, you know, it's normal for American society right now. And I just I think the the repercussions of that later on going to be really bad I agree too because I feel like rarely do people look at the source or right. fact checked or anything right but you could drop some news or say something that's so polarizing that people are not going to care about the follow up right you know right it's like oh man did you hear that Emil got drunk and was running down Figueroa naked and then there's pictures and then they put it all up and it's like, yo, that wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't even you. Yeah, it wasn't even me. Right. But no one's going to know about the follow-up B story that comes out <laughs> right. a week later. Right. It's like, wow, this thing was hot and viral for this moment and it's polarizing and now it had the effect that it was going to have. Right. People are not looking for the B story. They're looking for the A story and I think that people do understand that 
and it's methodical at times too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially in I mean in music, that's a thing. And uh, I mean, that's, that's a thing everywhere. And, and especially with like social media, like that's crazy to me. The, the, the idea of, of uh, buying followers, you know, that's whack. The whole thing is just whack. Like, I just like the idea of of, of of authenticity. Yeah. And maybe that's and maybe that's why I've chosen to work with the types of people that I've, that I've chosen to work with. You know, like I could have I could have taken a different route and probably been really successful by now if if I like, I understand how to play the game, but I just you know. I, I could I, I could have been I, you know I, I, I choose to, to to rock with most stuff as opposed to like the the, the what's hot at the time yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean like what was in, in Brown Sugar when you had when, when Tay Diggs could have worked with like the, the Dalmatian and the two dudes or whatever oh yeah I forget wow I haven't seen it in a while but I, I vaguely remember what you're talking about yeah I just yeah I, I can't man, I can't I just, I, just, I just went with the real bro you know I just I just that's just no matter how how much you try to fight it, I just go back to to I want the original one of one. I want the real deal. You know. Okay. Everybody not is not with that, but that's what I want. One of one. Yeah, because I feel like the authenticity is what is going to have the longevity. Yeah, I remember watching the movie before it's really when the Butler. Right. And, you know, his son was going through these phases of historical phases of the civil rights movement as a Black Panther and this and that and the third. And there was this one scene and he was like, there's a book written about my son and his friends. And it's like Black Panther legacy or whatever, because it was those people who had the courage enough to be authentic. Authentic. Authentic and to not be a part of the trend. It was like, nah, like we see these, something needs to be changed. Because this is an interesting time. Because I also look back on these decades because there was a time where, I mean, it was segregate. It was segregation. Like we can't even like really comprehend living right. in a place where we can't drink or eat what we want. Right. Like, that's, like, foreign to us. Like, that, like but that was these people's reality. And they was like, oh, this is just the norm. And people was like, nah. Yeah, yeah, was like, yeah. nah, this is crazy. We, this can't keep it. No, but it's been like this way for years. So that don't mean it has to continue like that's right. this. That's right. So the original thought and what you're saying, like, that is what sets you apart and just great people apart is the ability to, Really trusting their individuality and their often and their truth. Sure. Now yeah. to to end the podcast, I'm gonna do the the pivot questionnaire, which was uh, made very popular by Inside the Actors Studio, James Lipton. So it's ten questions. First question: What's your favorite word? Yes. <laughs> okay. What is your least favorite word? No. <laughs> You're like, too easy. This is too easy. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Again, originality. Like, seriously. Mm. Originality. That's the best that's the best thing. And like you said, people who are, you know, 
things that are just originality period originality yes what turns you off the inverse <laughs> word what's your favorite curse word shit <laughs> but, but that also I also like to rival that with with uh with bitch but not not, not the classic bitch it can't be just bitch you know it has to be short dog got it short dog yeah what sound or noise do you love? Oh man, I like uh, I like water. I like to hear kids in the pool, people in, in you know people playing in water, like having fun, like fun and joy is a, is a sound that I love. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, skateboarders, because my dog loses it. He's a skateboarder. What does he do? Yo, he like he just start barking. Barks. And he has like the deep. Yeah, yeah. Like this summer, he uh, he lost it. The skateboarder was coming, was he was like coming by, and, and he's not a little dog. Yeah, and he went through the uh, he went through the window. What? The, yeah, and like, he knocked this like knocked the screen out a uh, window, and his, it's like half his body is out of the. He's like this, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's like fam, <laughs> yo, Vegas is wild. <laughs> It's a little hectic over there, B. <laughs> Yo, Vegas is an interesting dude, man, because he, 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 he's like a sweet dog, but he get active. He get active, yeah. he get active out here. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I, I wouldn't mind being a restaurant tour. I would do that. I would, start, I would open up a rest, like a series of restaurants, though, not just one. You know? Okay, restaurant yeah. tour. Yeah. Definitely, I definitely be a restaurant What profession would you definitely not like to do? Nine to five. It don't matter the field. Right. <laughs> it's just like nine to five. Period. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, what profession would I not want to do? Yeah. Matthew Moses employee. Mm. Like entrepreneurship is religion for me. That is. That's where you at. That's where I'm at. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Peace, God. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. So that is, y'all. So we're about to sign off. Uh, before we go, just give us some information about what you're currently working on and what we should look out for in the near future. Sure. Um, you, could, you can always see what we're doing. Uh, as a company at shalimarmedia.com s-h-a-l-i-m-a-r media.com um, and that sort of gives you a general overview of everything I'm super excited about uh, DeCarlo Tidham Jr. right now he's a uh, he's a blues inspired rapper from uh, from Atlanta, Georgia um, and he's awesome super authentic amazing amazing uh, tone like by far one of the best rappers I've ever heard. And I'm completely like, lucky to be working with him. Like truly believe in him. Um, really excited about what, you know, Mike, Mike Randy's probably a really cool EP. You know, we worked on that for a couple of years and I'm uh, just, just very happy that it's out. Um, so check that out. Mike Randy, Batteries Not Included. Uh, of course, Adam Paveo is on the way and All Things Fips is, is, uh, is, is really important. 
Uh, right now, Nesby's working on this project called uh, Nola Toisson, which is really cool. It celebrates the uh, 300th anniversary of, um, of the city of New Orleans. Oh, dope. And so he's doing a project where he's, uh, so he's producing a record that celebrates each genre of, uh, of, of music from New Orleans. So there's, there's jazz, there's rap, there's blues, there's tribal, there's, you know, there's gospel. Yeah, that's and dope. It's dope. So I was just down really there. Really good idea. Yeah, so I was just down there a couple of weeks ago when we met with the, uh, the world famous 79ers gang and their, their Mardi Gras tribe. Yeah. So these two, uh, two, two Indian chiefs came together to, to, uh, to form this band called the 79ers gang. And so that's going to be the first record that we that we do for this uh, this project. So I'm super excited about that. As well. Wow, that sounds really dope, man. Yeah, so a lot of cool stuff coming. A lot of cool stuff coming. Leon's album, Leon Leon Weir's final album is also coming uh, coming this year. Um, it's called Rainbow Dew. He completed it before he passed, so it's not something that we pulled together and, and saying it's his last album. I mean, down to the artwork, he approved everything before he before he, before he left us. And it's a great, great album. Anyone that's a fan of Leon's is gonna really love the, love this project, and I'm I'm really excited about that as well. Okay, dope, dope, man. Well, again, thanks for coming through, bro. Oh, also EPMD. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Also, super excited about EPMD. A lot of rollouts this year, We're celebrating the 30th anniversary of uh, a strictly business. And uh, February 19th, we're gonna drop the first the first piece of merch. Uh, we did a collaboration with uh, with hanging with the homies. Okay. Uh, Australian-based company we got these air fresheners coming, and uh, we got some other cool projects coming along the uh, throughout the year. But we got the, the 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 strictly business box set coming in July, so I'm really excited about that as well. And that's it. <laughs> All right, cool man. <laughs> plug. There it is. Plug. Plug, plug away, plug. bro. Plug away. So. Again, thank y'all for listening to another episode of Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Also, just check out superdopeshit.com. You can subscribe there and you can also just listen to past episodes at your leisure. Pretty cool people on there already and like I end the podcast every week. Only put off until tomorrow what you're willing to die having left undone. That's a quote from Pablo Picasso. And we in here and we out here. Yeah.